från det digital. Det här är Startup Stories. Tack så hemskt mycket Lena Apre, det var fantastiskt. Vi vet att vi gjorde en bra förlust, vi hade planerat för att göra en bra förlust. Så det är klart att man hellre vill ha roliga rubriker. Då var vi ordentligt bakfulla. Vi visste faktiskt inte riktigt vad bitcoins var. Revenge är underskattat som drivkraft. Det är oerhört effektivt. Visa dem! The Rise and Fall and Rise Again av Jens Nylander, den svenska serieentreprenören som står bakom en rad olika techbolag. Från MP3-spelarna Jens of Sweden till hörlurarna Jace och numera till flytmanagementbolaget Automile. Det här är fredag, det är Startup Stories ni lyssnar på. Det är Digitals intervjupodd där vi möter bolagsbyggare inom techvärlden och hör deras story helt enkelt. Jag heter Sven Karlsson. Och jag heter Jonas Lejonhuvud. Det var ju du, Jonas, som gjorde den här intervjun på finalen av, av Startup Tour på Kulturhuset nu i december. Ni har en relation som går tillbaka en, en massa år, visar det sig, du och Jens Nylander. Hur, hur inleddes det där egentligen? Det är väl lite att ta i kanske, men, men jag skrev ju om, om honom när han var en entreprenör med Jens och Sweden MP3-spelarna som var stora 2003 och 2004 och då var jag affärsjournalist på en annan tidning än Dagens Industri. Alltså. Men minns du någonting? Hur gammal var du 2003-2004? Minns du de här mp Ja, då var jag inte född. <laughs> Nej. Eh, vad var jag då? 17-18? Ah, jag, jag, den första MP3-spelaren som jag hade en relation till, jag hade minidisk, kommer jag ihåg. Det var väl de där åren mm. lite grann också. Och sen så till slut så fick jag en iPod där någon gång, eh, 2004-2005 tror jag. Men där, Jens och Sweden var lite innan. Nej, det var ungefär samtidigt som iPoden, men den var mm. ganska stor och dyr. Och eh, därför så hade många eh, människor i den åldern som du faktiskt var eh, i billiga asiatiska MP3-spelare istället. Och då gick han in och fyllde den här luckan att, att göra dem snyggare. Att, och det blev en modeaccessoar. Det var ju bara några år. Och det kanske var, man kanske var lite äldre än dig, så här 20 plus. Men då hade man den runt halsen och så var den lite silver och snygg. Och han gav ut någon guldutgåva av den där grejen också. Så att den... Mm. Liksom två år så var det superhett med Jens och Swedens MP3-spelare. Och sen blev det konkursen 2015. Och jag, jag minns att jag äh, intervjuade honom vid några, några tillfällen då. Äh, så att... Äh det var Långdragen kul. historia bakom Jens av Sweden i alla fall som um, ni, ni ju redar ut i intervjun en del Exakt, för att han riskerade i fängelse Och blev anklagad för smuggling och sådär det, det handlade om tullavgifter Jag tror att det var Är en MP3-spelare en USB-sticka Eller är det en radio Eller hur definierar vi den här produkten att det var lite, Han gärna definierade det som det som hade den lägsta tullavgiften och så hamnade mm. han i, i, i ett långt stora juridiska problem som drog ut på tiden mm. vilket han berättar om i, i den här intervjun som Just vi ska det. på. Han har ju då tagit risk som många entreprenörer gör. Det slår mig också att han har gjort accessoarer till två generationer av liksom ikoniska Apple-produkter, eller accessoarer är ju fel att tänka på, men, men som komplement då, då. Eh, medan Apple senare kom med sin iPhone och sina vita hörlurar så hade då Jens Nylander startat Jace, ett hörlursbolag som hade lite stilrenare, kanske lite liksom tekniskt och funktionsmässigt bättre hörlurar att erbjuda. De trasslar inte in sig lika mycket under Jace-lurarna. Precis, på sitt, sitter lite bättre i öronen och så vidare. Men Jace har han ju då lämnat, det är under nytt ägarskap nu, och eh, Fullt fokus är på Automile för Jens del som bland annat då 
Niklas Sändström har investerat i. Vi ska få höra mycket mer om den saken. Den här intervjun spelades in under finalen av D-Digitals startup-tour här i december. Den 7 december närmare bestämt på Kulturhuset. Och vi inleder väl med... Den är på engelska ska vi nämna, av en anledning. För hela, hela finalen är på engelska för att vara inkluderande mot folk i startupbranschen som inte pratar svenska. Så att det får ni stå ut med, ni, ni lyssnare. Han bor ju i Paolo Alto nu, Jens. Så att han, han pratar ganska bra engelska i alla fall. Han hade, han hade inga problem med den saken. Vi eh, drar igång så kommer vi tillbaka efteråt. Welcome, it's good to see you again. Uh, last time uh, we saw each other in the flesh was back in 2004 when you had the uh, MP3 player Jens of Sweden, which was a fashion accessory and an MP3 player, and I interviewed you. I worked for a different newspaper at the time. Um, all right, so I don't know. How many remember Jens of Sweden, the MP3 player? See? Wow. My God. Almost lot everyone. Of, a lot of, <laughs> who, how many of you owned a, an MP3 uh, Jens of Sweden? Yeah, quite a bit of old uh, former customers. You didn't ask about the NPS, you know. How satisfied were they? <laughs> well, you, you'll have to talk to the people afterwards sure. and ask them. Um, Jens of Sweden was a big success, 2003, 2004, went belly up, 2005, difficult uh, chapter in your life in some ways, uh, and then uh, after Jens of uh, Sweden you started Jays, which is still listed on the Stockholm Stock Exchange, and uh, that was between uh, 2006 and 2008, and now you've left all that and you're drawing a lot of headlines with uh, Automile, fleet management, hardware and software, not quite self-driving vehicles, but something in that area, kind of, and it has a billion crown valuation, we've been reporting, and investors such as Niklas Sandström. So, uh, kind of an amazing journey with that. We're going to cover all that, but just briefly, who are you? Uh, I know that you're, you're a guy from Hudiksvall. That's right. I grew up in a small, small place and uh, learned to be an entrepreneur early on when I was working for a small company when I was 16 years old. That was everything when everything started, I should say. Okay, so in school... Who were you? Were you the nerdy guy? I was guy? a math guy, uh, math guy, trying to get higher score on all the you know, tests, which I did on some things and some okay. things I didn't. And then when I was bored, I did a lot of fun things. I did radio shows. I was playing music. I was a disc jockey. You know, all the fun things you could do in life. You sound like a high-energy young man. I would was say that so, the case? yeah. Yes? Okay. And so then you start working at an early age... Uh, Sort of, what's that? You work for some... I worked for a small, you know, IT company. I was selling copiers, faxes, and scanners at the time. And, you know, I learned how to basically sell something in hardware, and I learned to sell something as a subscription. That was the starting point of, of everything that I learned during my next 10 years in sales. So how young were you when you started working for this company? I was between 15 and 16. Okay. And the guy who owned it was a, a local Hudiksvall guy? Yeah, he was a local Hudiksvall guy. He's still the manager and CEO for the company. A very tough guy, I should say. And he treated you like a regular employee, but you yeah, were a teenager? Yeah, I would say so. Like a teenager, but at the same time as a regular guy, you know, being hard, tough against me. I learned all the basics of businesses and how to drive businesses from start, from grounds up to a few million dollars in revenue. Interesting. So then... Uh, You eventually leave Hudiksvall, and uh, you, you study in Uppsala, is it? Uh... Yeah, I tried to be a, you know, a tech guy in Uppsala, but I failed quite early on because I was always recruited to IT tech companies in Stockholm, so I always took the train to Stockholm instead of studying. Okay, so your grades... Were... Went down, that's okay. right. <laughs> All right. 
And, uh, and, and what kind of IT consulting work were you doing? Uh, basically, I'm a programmer from the beginning, so I was doing programming for uh, booking systems online. This was early on, you know, 2000, when there were no booking systems online. All right, and so then uh, eventually you, you decide to become an entrepreneur, I guess. Uh, take us to that point in your life. Exactly. So I was living in Uppsala and I decided to meet a girlfriend and I met a girlfriend and her father and I had a similar interest, which was you know, basically work all the time. And we were discussing about new stuff and I was discussing about the, how we are consuming music and I wanted to change that. And eventually I met a supplier in North of Korea, sorry, South of Korea, not North of Korea. <coughs> Would be fun. Just as well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, at some stage he and I connected very strongly and we started to manufacture players locally in South of Korea that we then eventually shipped over to Sweden. That was the starting point of the company called Jens of Sweden. Exactly, and you did that in the Westeros uh, Entrepreneurial School exactly. or something like that. I was just trying to study again and I failed again. Okay. <laughs> At the same time right. I opened this company. So you started the company and it became quite successful in a short uh, amount of time. Sold 250,000 players in just one and a half year. It was an amazing journey. We have a, a, an image of you from this era, and we can see it in first slide. I look there we go. Okay. That's you, the young <laughs> entrepreneur with the headphones. And the product, we have the second slide here. Uh, the product looked like that. So to the left is, the, is the, one of the early products, right? And there's some gold uh, special product to the right. What's that? Uh, it's a limited edition. It's a limited edition. So it was an MP3 player, and it was kind of a fashion accessory, and people had it around their neck, and uh, it did really well, and, and uh, when was your best year, 2004 or? 2004, and actually beginning of 2015 was quite good, also, 2005, sorry. Right. Uh, and how many units were you selling at when, when you were selling? Uh, it's, a, it's about 10,000 units a month. Wow, wow. Okay, so it's this huge success story, you're a young guy, and then things turn sour quickly. It's something uh, regarding the, the customs, right? That's it's, right. What yes. happened? Everything can go to hell in a startup, as everyone knows. And what happened is that the customs started to decide that they wanted to reclassify how MP3 players are categorized in the HL system, it's called. So it went from 2% import duties to 10% import duties, which basically raised all my profits, you know. And it did that retroactively, so in the back time of time, you know, in all the historic imports. Retroactively. And so then you had all these legal problems. And there were these headlines, I remember at the time, that, uh, that you, you risked the jail time. And uh, uh, basically, you were described as a kind of a crook uh, in, in some of these uh, articles at the time. Uh, how did that, what did that feel like? <laughs> I mean, uh, being considered as a bad guy doing something illegal is always a problem because people look at you differently. But, you know, I only had one thing in my mind was, was to succeed and show everyone that that was not the case. But it took longer time than I expected. Much longer time. Yeah. So, Jens of Sweden declares bankruptcy in 2005. And in 2006, you move off to, onto something called Jays. It's a, it's a new lifestyle uh, brand for headphones, I guess, and speakers also, or just headphones? Yeah, just headphones from the beginning. Right. And then you're there for two years, uh, and it's still a listed company, but you've left. Uh, just briefly, what was that uh, all about? So basically, you know, I had one investor in the company and we had come to a conclusion that was like one, two million dollars in revenue and we decided that a different CEO is needed for the company. 
So I helped investors to recruit a CEO, which was our local CEO that was in the board at the moment. And then he continued to, to basically grow the company and list it. So I was not the, with, with the company when it got listed. Were your legal problems part of the reason why you left Jay's? No, also? absolutely not. It was just a discussion about who should drive this company, who should that guy look like. You know, I was quite young at the time and I had worked a lot of hours with Jens of Sweden during the time. So I think that the investor and I concluded together that it's better that someone else takes over. Kriandem was the investor at the time. Uh, we, we saw uh, Johan Brenner from Kriandem here in our jury earlier on. That's right. What happened with Kriandem? Uh, I mean, I have a great relationship. I, I know Johan from Silicon Valley, of course. Uh, Kriandem is one of the best investors in Stockholm today. When I met them, they were such a small investor, you know. Their office was so tiny. <laughs> I remember I, when I had Jace, I also got their... When you moved offices, I got all his, you know, cutlery and everything from their office because we took it over, you know. <laughs> I remember the time so great. Okay. Uh, but uh, things didn't go so great with Kriandem in Jays at the time, right? You had different but that, opinions. But that's, that's the case with startups, you know. Sometimes investments turn out not to be good. Sometimes they turn out to be good. That's the life of being an investor. And if you look at Jays now, they're, they're pivoting again. They're changing. What do you think about the new leadership uh, the, the pivoting is completely right. They should have done it from the beginning. They should have exceeded with multiple brands, multiple product portfolios. Exactly what I wanted to do from the beginning. Right. Well, anyway, consumer electronics was a big chapter in your life. Uh, and I know that, I mean, Jens of Sweden, you were talking to Sonos uh, about doing some deal with them, right? Exactly. Just precisely like six months prior to the bankruptcy, I actually was showing a lot of products here in Sweden, which was one product from Tom Cullen, which started a small company in the US called Sonos. No one believed in the product. I remember showing it to all the big uh, distributors in Sweden. No one believed in it. Like streaming music to your home, what's that needed for? You're like, yeah, that's going to change. So... Looking back on both uh, Jens of Sweden and Jay's now and consumer electronics business, what would you have done differently? Or what would be your advice to someone in that situation that you, that you were in? I mean, the hardware space is a difficult space, requires substantial amount of investments and capital. I think you should just make sure that you have enough capital to deploy whenever you develop something because it's, it's, it's more expensive than you plan for from the beginning. That's my learning. Okay, so if you, if you could go back in time... I would have capitalized the companies better. Okay, uh-huh. Interesting. So we're going to move on to, to Automile, which is your new company that you started in 2014. Um, but uh, what happened up until then? I mean, because a lot of this uh, Jens of Sweden uh, experience was, was painful for you, I, I, I expect. And now you seem to be able to talk about it. But then it must have been... Uh, when, what was your like, uh, low point after all this stuff, do you think? I mean, the low point is, of course, when you have a great company that is doing great, and the next day you have nothing. <laughs> That's yeah. the low point. And the low point also, when some, someone uh, accuses you of doing something illegal, it becomes more like a burden. And, you know, it's very hard to take yourselves out of that. You know, you're, you're completely alone, and you, you have to find your own strength to come through that. I think that's the worst part of my life. So what was your trick to, to sort of deal with the, those problems? Just, just be part of the problems. I think that's the trick I did. I was part of the problems. I, I showed everyone exactly what was done and why it was not done right and who did the, the wrong things. Uh, and eventually it turned out to be true. So, so uh, all the charges have been dropped now, and exactly. you're not going to go they to jail. Were, it just took 10 years. <laughs> it took 10 years. Oh, that's, that's you know, a part of being an entrepreneur, I guess, yeah. that you have these it things is. that, that, don't, that they, they don't sort themselves out in, a, in an instant. Uh, okay, so 2014, you started Automile. Tell us a little bit about the company. What, what, how did you get the idea for it, and what is it? 
So basically my background is electronics and programming software, so I wanted to combine my skill set into an interesting space called Internet of Things, and especially what I wanted to go after is cars, because I know that most businesses have cars of different colors and makes, so it means that a customer could have a few Mercedes, a few BMWs, and a few Volvos. So I wanted to create a system for them that is universal across all cars that they can use to be more productive out in the field. What that's called is called a fleet management system. Right, so it's a, it's a little piece of hardware, you put it in your car, or you can use your iPhone instead. You can use your iPhone also, or your Android phone. And it tracks uh, It tracks all, all the movements of the employee and the car itself. All right, and this is used by small businesses, or who's the customer? Yeah, I would say small businesses, medium-based businesses, and also large fleets. We have over 8,000 customers globally today, and a few of them would be Ricco, um, Rangsells, and many, many other similar companies. Okay, uh, so the company started here in Stockholm, or where did you Exactly, it was originally a Swedish company, and then we turned to be an American company when I moved there. But we still have our operations still left here on Sveavägen. Okay. So that's where we have our headquarters in Stockholm. All right, so, and the funding, how, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, piece, the first funding piece was interesting, because not a lot of investors believed in me here in Sweden, so I moved a little bit outside Sweden, so I moved to Berlin. And there's an angel investor called Point Nine Capital, which is a great one. And they actually started to fund me from the beginning. And they were part of what's called the Series A. And the Series A was also joined by another investor in the UK called Dawn Capital. That is one of the investors behind iSettle. So, uh, Big names. Yeah, it's good names from the beginning. Did they not Google Gents of Sweden jail time? Of course, of course. They Google, they asked me all the questions, they probably called Crandom, they, they did all the research, you know, which is always the case. You have to stand behind your old things, you know. And how were you able to convince them that you were an, an honest entrepreneur? I well? mean, there is just one thing, you know. It's all about, you know, do we think that this guy can really make it this time or the next time? And it's always an investment and a relationship between the general partner and yourself. And I think what I found out here is that the general partner was very supportive. He was a young general partner, and he understood the problems I had in the past, but he also understood uh, all the opportunities we have coming forward with Automile. And that's why he made the investment. So there is a cliche in, in, in uh, the startup community that failures are good. It's good to have a, it's like, you know, scars, war scars, and you come in, oh, I have all these failures. Aren't you all impressed? Uh, is that true? I mean, were they, were they impressed? Were they, did they feel like this guy's been through a bunch of stuff and that's good? Or? So failed entrepreneurs generally have, uh, it's more stable. <laughs> when you talk to investors that have been investors in many startups, they typically say that failed entrepreneurs are more stable and mature in their way of handling board situations and the conflicts and other things. I don't know if that's true or not. I know how I handle them. I can't say that I don't know anyone else handling them differently. But I think it comes from the fact that all your learnings in the past. Right. So you're able to deal with small and medium-sized problems easily or when, when you had these enormous exactly. issues. Uh, okay, interesting. So you, you got a bunch of investors, you got a, a pile of money, things are going well, and uh, 2015 you moved to Palo Alto with your uh, family. Correct. So you're, next, uh, you're, you're living in the same area as where Facebook has their head office, and what's that like for you, living in, in Palo Alto? Palo Alto is beautiful. I moved there three years ago almost, and the thing with Palo Alto that I, I didn't understand from the beginning was the kind of climate, you know. You go out to the bars, you talk about startups, you talk about ideas, and Everyone fails there all the time. Everyone doesn't believe that anyone fails in Palo Alto, but it happens all the time. 
And that's not really the problem here. The problem is that we need to be re innovating new stuff all the time, and everyone is allowed to do that. If you fail two times, three times, four times, you just continue to try to succeed. And it's an interesting space to be in because there's so much capital available, and th there's a certain kind of investors that are willing to invest a lot of money early on to make sure that this company can succeed. Have you made any cool new friends there? Like uh, celebrities and the. I mean, I meet people all the time, and actually, when I meet them, I have no idea who they are. And then I find out that this guy is some big shot from Google. <laughs> it's quite interesting. You don't know that when you're talking to the people because they don't say it like that. You know. Have you been to any like really big houses? Yes, I've been to very big houses. <laughs> big houses. All right. 2016, uh, Niklas Sandström and Salesforce uh, invest a bunch of money in your company Correct. and the valuation increases to a billion crowns. We have a slide. Uh, this is uh, the article that we wrote about that. Jätterunda. We all know what that means. Most of us anyway. Um, so, uh, Niklas Sandström, I know that you're in touch. You talk to him. You eat lunch with him and stuff. Exactly. So, Niklas and I met... Um through Teddy, one of, the, one, of, one of the investors over at Dawn Capital when he joined Atomico. And I think he found out it was quite a nice, nice kind of talk with me. And uh, I decided to ask him if he was interested to invest. That's the simple story of it. Really? And you meet him when you're in London? Or exactly. Do you I mean, have an he's based, in yes, he's based in London, so mostly in London. He has a few ski trips every year with the people he funds. So if, if you're lucky, you can get invited to a ski trip. Have you been invited to a ski trip? Yeah, but I never come. <laughs> I'm just working. <laughs> That's, That's the problem. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. the craziest part of the story so far. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, Niklas Sandström, and you're living in Palo Alto. How, where do you have offices now, Automile? So we have offices in Oslo, in Stockholm, in Sundsvall, where the location, and then Palo Alto. Sweet. And uh, w where will the company be, do you think, in like three, five years from now? I mean, this year we are aiming at close at about 8 million ARR annual recurring revenue and planning to be at about 16, 17 million dollars next year. And within five years, I'm hoping that either I can list this company or get it sold, acquired, of course. And that's what I'm working towards. Okay, so the company will be listed. It's not going to be part of the uh, self-driving cars sphere. No, this will be a company that has more about its, its strong gross profits in this company because we're selling to service-based industries. And I think it will more, more be known about the fact that it can generate strong profits for its owners. Right. So it's not going to be built into the cars. I think like, self-driving cars would mean that cars can deliver information to services like Automile, but it's going to take a long time before that happens in the commercial space. Uh, I know that you're uh, expanding still. Uh, how many employees do you have uh, currently? We have about 70 people. And you're, you're hiring how many? Uh, about 80 people more. You're hiring about 80 people. That's a lot. And in Sweden, <sighs> you have offices in Stockholm and Sundsvall. Yes. Yes. So how many will you be hiring? Uh, uh, most of these people will be hired here in Stockholm because it's mostly sales-targeted people. So about 50 people to 60 people in Stockholm. Okay. Salespeople, engineers? Who you, yeah, you engineers for? also, of course. But they, they can either be in Sundsvall or in, in Stockholm, depending on where they're located. Okay. That might be interesting news for some of the people in the audience here. Uh, so if anybody's interested in, in working at Automile, uh, who do they get in touch with? Simply just email me, jens at automile.com. Okay. Jens at automile.com. Thank you very much for Thank coming here much, and sharing Jens. your story. Jens Nylander. Ja, 
jens.automile.com om man vill söka jobb på Automile. Är det något som lockar dig sen? Ja, jag vet Säljjobb, inte. Säljjobb, ingenjörsjobb. Nej, precis. Kunna... Jag tror inte jag skulle vara kvalificerad, ärligt talat. Nej. Jag träffade Jens där innan han skulle upp på scen och... och han sa att det var smidigt för kontoret är så oerhört nära på, på Sveavägen i stan. Så han kunde bara kila över därifrån till kulturhuset. Fast själv pendlar han från Västerås när han är i Sverige. Han alltså. bor ju i Palo Alto för det mesta. Mm. Men nu var han hemma och skulle vara hemma. Ja, det verkade vara kanske några veckor eller månader eller sånt. Så att, han jobbar ju från båda kontoren fast framförallt Palo Alto. Men man rekryterar ju väldigt mycket folk i Sverige nu. Så att det verkar som att... Att man kanske förflyttar sig tillbaka till Sverige och att, att han kanske kommer att flytta hem om några år. Det är väldigt dyrt eh, att ha kontor i Paralto, sa han också offstage till mig. Så att, eh, jag gissar att, att eh, man bygger upp bolaget där och sen när man, när man kan spara ner på det kontoret där i Silicon Valley så, så börjar man göra det. Det är min gissning. Mm. Niklas Sandström är ju en av investerarna i Atommile. De har en eh, lång historia, eller hur? Jo, hur, men det verkade så. I alla fall i några... Eh, År bak i tiden. Uh, Automile startades 2014 och Don Capital var tidiga med att investera i bolaget. Och någon där kände Niklas Sänström och de träffades informellt och så gick det några år. Och sen investerade han uh, privat, då, om jag förstår saken rätt, i, i bolaget också. Och uh, Jens berättade att de, de brukar ses när han är i London, ta en lunch och sådär. Vad pratar ni om, frågade jag. Uh, och det verkar som att de pratar om så här. Automile och så här detalj alltså han, han liksom berättar så att det här är mina utmaningar just nu Och sen så får han en massa konkreta råd Så att eh, Väldigt hands on Spännande. Som man beskriver i alla fall mm. eh, Och som man nämnde på scenen den här skidresan Alltså Niklas Sänström har tydligen um, Skidresor Eh, regelbundet med de entreprenörer vars bolagen investerar i och eh, Jens har ju blivit bjuden på några av de här skidresorna men aldrig hunnit åka med. Man, man undrar ju vilka slacker som faktiskt tar den här inbjudan. <laughs> ja, precis. Eh, Vad nej. tror vi om eh, Automiles eh, framtid då? Ni, ni kom in lite grann på det. Eh, han säger att Automile omsätter 8 miljoner dollar i år. Nästa år ska det vara 16-17. Inom fem år så vill han eh, antingen börsnotera eller sälja bolaget. Och, eh, I USA så väl, brukar väl en börsnotering vara i runda slängar ett bolag som omsätter eh, 100 miljoner dollar typ med lönsamhet eller något sånt där. I den takten så kommer han väl dit eh, till slut. Men, men vad tror du är, är mest eh, sannolikt? Vad kommer det hända med Automile? Utan att vara någon expert på den här fleet management branschen då, då så känns det som att eh, eller det första man tänker är kommer det här att köpas upp av något bilbolag och bli en del av eh, framtiden för självkörande bilar och sånt där och det pratade lite också offstage med Jens om och det verkar han säga att det, det tror han inte eh, utan det här är ju, jag tror att det, 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 det blir mer och mer av ett mjukbo, mjukvarubolag tror jag för att själva hårdvaran är en dosa som kan vara i bilen men man kan även använda sin iPhone eller sin Android-telefon eh, och koppla upp den. Så att, eh, det verkar inte vara hårdvaran som är den stora grejen utan den stora grejen är liksom mjukvaran som analyserar hur alla fordon, om du har ett företag med sju lastbilar och 20 personbilar så vill du kolla hur alla har rört sig, hur alla de som har kört de här fordonen har rört sig eh, under en månad och analysera det och det är väl den mjukvaran som är värdet i bolaget så att jag gissar att det köps upp av ett större mjukvarubolag eller så blir de en av de absolut största i världen inom det här området och då kan de kanske stå själv på egna ben och kanske vara ett börsbolag. Mm. Det skulle vara min gissning. Vem vet, det ser väl i alla fall ut att bli Jens största bolag hittills och framförallt ett, ett internationellt fokuserat bolag. Ja, då. Miljardvärdering nu, enligt den senaste rundan, säger han i alla fall. Så, att, så ser det ju absolut ut att vara 
Eh, hoppas att det går bra. Jag tror inte liksom, det är helt säkert att det kommer att lyckas ännu. Utan eh, de kör ju på för följa och växer fort. Men eh, behöver fortfarande riskkapital för att, för att klara sig. Just det. Vill ni eh, höra mer om Jens Nylander så finns det en intervjutext där, där du tar upp en del andra saker också på sajten mm. digital.di.se. Vi var oerhört glada att, att få hem Jens Nylander om det nu var just vi han åkte hem för. Men han var i alla fall i, i, i landet och var glad att kunna vara finalgäst på, på Startup Tour. En, en tung intervju som jag tyckte du skötte utmärkt Jonas. Jag tackar och bockar Sven. Och så ska vi förstås rekommendera Dis andra poddar. Det finns både analyspodden och makrorådet och även intervjupodden Förnuft och känsla för den som är intresserad av hur Sveriges främsta företagsledare fattar sina beslut helt enkelt. Om ni vill sponsra Startup Stories eller Digitalpodden för den delen maila gärna Per Hedlund at di.se. Det är per.hedlund, per med e, at di.se. Ansvarig utgivare för Startup Stories är Lotta Edling och podden Clips av Umami-produktion. Tack och hej! Mm.